Revelation 6 Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come! Revelation 8 When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Since the video doesn't match what's being read, you're all confused, so allow me to read the scriptures for us. Revelation chapter 6, we have the first six seals as we read from God's word that says, Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come! And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of a fourth living creature say, Come! And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death. And Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true! How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Verse 12, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree shed its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. 
than the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling on the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? And in chapter 8, verse 1, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal... There was silence in heaven for about an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. We see in the first four seals, a predictable path. It begins, and this predictable path has been repeated several times in human history. But the prophecy that we just read does not stop with the fourth seal. It says that there is a future time where this path gets exploded and continues on to the seventh seal. The lamb who was slain is perfectly just in opening these seals. Now these are not seals in or, 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 or. These are seals as in an envelope that has been sealed. Or actually in history, they would pour hot wax and the one in authority would use his signet ring to seal a message. And all seven of these seals is broken, or the envelope is open, or the tape is pulled back from the package so that we can see what is inside. The predictable path that we see in these first four seals is rooted in the pain that is associated with human power. This weekend, we Americans celebrate liberty from a British tyrant. But as long as we are in a fallen world, frequently we find ourselves just exchanging one tyranny for another. Because the one who appears to be a liberator often becomes intoxicated by power and he passes on to others the pain so that his or her prestige can be maintained until another liberator arrives. We have learned that political freedom has limitations because one's liberties end where another's begins. World leaders posture for prominence by expanding their personal influence. But when two leaders expect to influence the same region, the same property, the same people... 
conflict is inevitable. We've seen it repeated in history, and John prophesies through a vision that it's only going to get worse. John sees a future day that was prophesied hundreds of years before his first breath. For us to understand Revelation 6, 7 in the beginning of 8, we actually need to go all the way back to Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel made a prophecy. Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus declared a prophecy. And then we see Revelation 6 through 22. And all three of these passages of Scripture, given at different times in history, tell the same story. Daniel 9 begins by talking about a period of 69 weeks. 69 times 7 days in a week gives us 483 years that appeared between Daniel and the time of Christ. But Daniel talked about 70 weeks. So we saw the 69, and then we're told that there is a time of the Gentiles, kind of a pause between 69 and 70. And during this pause, the time of the Gentiles is where we are right now in God's history. It was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, where Joel says, I will put my covenant upon your heart. I will take away your hearts of stone and give you hearts of flesh, and I will be your God and you can be my people. And this was open to people of all nationalities, of all ethnicities. It is this time of the Gentiles in which we now live. But Daniel said there were 70 weeks. So I believe there is coming a 70th week of Daniel. And we can read in the 70th week, Daniel 9, 27, Matthew 24, 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 2 and 9 through 10, about a coming time of tribulation. A time where something happens that the scripture calls an abomination of desolation. Which divides the tribulation from the great tribulation. Daniel 9.27 says there will be times, time, and half a time. That's three and a half. And at the end of three and a half years of relative peace... This world leader is going to do something that is so abominable, it causes things to be desolate like a desert, like a desert. I believe this world leader is going to offer upon the altar of Jerusalem a sacrifice that is so putrid, people say we can no longer worship in this place. John sees a future period when the evil of our days is multiplied and then it concludes in a final judgment. And so this 70th week, a time yet future, is what John is seeing in chapters 6 through 8. As I look at John's prophecy, I see that humanity endures increasing discomfort. 
John begins by describing the four horsemen connected to the first four seals. Now, it's helpful for us to do away with the idea that the first horseman comes and rides away, and then the second horseman comes and rides away, and then the third horseman comes and rides away. I believe what this is telling us is the first horseman comes, then he is joined by a second horseman, then they are joined by a third horseman, and so we actually see the effects of these seals growing and growing as time goes on. I see new challenges that emerge, new discomfort that is endured by humanity during this great tribulation. Quickly, we look through Revelation chapter 6. The first is a white horse, and it is described that the rider conquers. But notice, if we look in these verses, he had a bow, but he had no arrows. I believe this is describing some world leader who wins the battle of public opinion, but he has no military to back up what he says. There's no military action, but yet he is considered a conqueror because he said he was. He's a superstar in the minds of the people, and he conquers the court of public opinion and public perception, but he has no weapons for his bow. But along comes a second horse, and the second horseman brings along conflict. He doesn't only conquer the mind, but he brings conflict between the natures. He's, uh, since the first one is unable to overcome the threat, this one introduces conflict to the earth. And intimidation often forces a bully into action so that the bluff becomes a conflict. Verses 5 and 6, we see the third seal, a black horse. This is where a rider constrains the ability to grow crops. The The food supply is constrained. Now, this is the inevitable result of war. The inevitable result of war is that there is famine and distribution limitations, as we are now experiencing in response to conflict in another part of the world. One personality says, hey, I'm in charge, and another personality says, no, you're not, and a conflict began. And after their conflict, we now experience the global constraints of crop and of food. Fourthly, there was a pale horse And this rider distributes casualties, not only from the um, devastation of war, but also from the lack of food, from the lack of nutrition. And so we see death increasing as the casualties multiplied. As resources are diverted to the war effort, others experience unintended side effects like disease and plague that is extremely terminal. Our hearts were shattered this week when we learned of dozens of migrants who perished in the back of a semi-trailer. Regardless of their immigration status, desperate people take drastic measures and the unintended consequences is that many unnecessarily perish in the process. 
And I believe when we see the first, second, and the third horse, war, and there's famine, and people begin to act desperately, and so the black horse tells us that many die as unintended consequence from the conflict and the famine. Then the fifth seal takes us to heaven, takes us to the site under the throne of God where we hear the cries of the martyrs. Those who have been killed for their faith cry out, Oh, Lord God, how long? When are you going to make things right? And these three verses get expanded in chapter 7. See, when we experience distress, our inclination is to rush the move of the hand of God. When we are distressed, we say, God, act. When we are distressed, we cry out, God, do something. But God is not moved early. Because even if we see the pain, He sees the final prize. When we are wrapped up in the pain of our experience, He sees the final prize, which is paradise forever. And we'll give more about the cries of the martyrs in chapter 7 in a moment. The sixth seal opens. And what we have is calamity on a global scale. Not an isolated tornado, not a hurricane in one place, not a tidal wave or a typhoonette somewhere else, but all over the world we're seeing a cataclysmic calamity on a global scale in verses 12 through 17. So if the fifth seal looks up to heaven and looks behind the lines to see those who are in God's camp, this sixth seal looks at earth, and we look behind the, camp, the lines, and we see those who are aligned with Satan. And the calamity that they experience as they realize they have aligned with the wrong side. They thought their power their policies, and the prince of the air were going to give them the ability to be victorious. But what happens, all of a sudden, in verses 12 through 17, the people say, whoa, whoa, we underestimated the enemy. God's wrath is so much more powerful than anything that we can muster. And so they're hiding in the rocks and the caves and say, we'd rather die in an earthquake then endure any more of his wrath against sin. Lifetimes of mocking and belittling the God of the Bible are now revealed to be empty claims that they held on to. And the devastating calamity of the workers of evil in chapter 6 are contrasted to the experience of God's power and God's protection in chapter 7. In chapter 7, we're introduced to the reality that humanity experiences different circumstances. And two of those circumstances are, first, God seals with his power the witnesses that he has appointed. Before the climate changes before the calamity falls god says before all of this happens i'm going to set apart and i'm going to protect a group of witnesses who are going to continue to serve my purpose 
And that's why verse 3 of chapter 7 tells us that these witnesses are sealed by his power. Rather than gloat in the destruction of the wicked, which we would think would happen, the very nature of our God is to rescue them, to rescue the evil people from their pending doom. And so I believe those who are carrying on the ministry of God, the servants of God that we read about here in chapter 7, are doing the very work of God, calling people, repent and turn to God. If you turn to God, you can avoid the destruction where you are headed. And those who are proclaiming this message, who are spreading God's grace and His mercy, are sealed from the attacks of the enemy. But not all are protected on this earth. Because not only do we see these witnesses who are protected, but the second part of chapter 7 tells about the martyrs who are not sealed by his power, but they are sheltered in his presence. They're under the very throne of God. In his presence, God is ministering to the needs, ministering to the purpose of the martyrs who are in his presence. And so we see the sealing in verse 3. If you look at verse 15 of chapter 7, we see the shelter that he offers to those who may have been killed on this earth, but they experience his peace in their eternal future. I believe that oftentimes today, we tend to cry out for God to make our life more comfortable. Unfortunately, many view God like a genie in a bottle, like Santa Claus at the North Pole. God, you exist to make my life what I think my life ought to be. However, Jesus says, please let this cup pass from me. However, not my will, but yours be done. In Daniel chapter 9, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, I want you to know, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow to your idol because our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your idol. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, if I am to live in the flesh, that means a fruitful labor. He says, if I'm on earth, I will be God's servant. Yet, I don't know if I want that choice. I'm hard-pressed between the choice because my desire is to depart and to be with Christ because that's far better. And so Paul says, if I'm here, I'm going to do God's work. If I'm there, I'm going to experience his presence. But whatever, I am going to be one of God's. And we get to make that choice ourselves. Are we going to be one of God's? whether he protects us on earth to do his purpose or whether he comforts us with his presence in eternity. Because Paul expresses that sheltering in God's very presence is far better than remaining on this earth through the time of distress that we see in chapter 8. Because in chapter 8, the six seals have already been opened But in the beginning of chapter 8, humanity encounters global 
devastation as the seventh counter opens, seventh seal opens. And as this last envelope is opened, the box is pulled back, the first response is silence. The calm before the storm. When I first went to college in Chicago, this Kansas boy was in a dormitory of young men from all over the world. And early in my first year, a rainstorm blew into downtown Chicago uh, that was unlike any that had ever been experienced by my California friends. And as the wind blew against the skyscrapers and the clouds whirled, my friends from California began to fear, is this going to be one of those Midwest tornadoes that we've heard about? Well, as a self-respecting Kansan who uses a tornado siren as a warning to go outside and see for myself, I was able to comfort my fellow freshmen from California. I said, you don't have to worry as long as the wind is blowing. But when it gets real still and you see that wall cloud forming on the horizon, then it's time to get concerned. And I believe as the seventh seal opens, we get that silence, that calm before the storm as the wall cloud forms. And in that silence, the prayers of God's people are pouring out to God because those who have gone through the first six seals are still on earth and they're praying for others. God, protect us. God, save my friend. God, save my neighbor. God, save the guy down the road. Be gracious to him. And these prayers are being poured out before God that we see in verses 3 and 4. Because if the servants of God mentioned in chapter 7, are doing anything like I think they are doing, they are filled with compassion and they are praying fervently for the repentance of their fellow man. And chapter 8 says these prayers are being poured out before God. So after the silence and after the prayers, finally the seventh seal brings out a complete wrath. The prayers that had been brought before God, the censer is then filled with fire and poured out on the earth. For all of those who are holding on to some sort of a one-world utopia of equality, equity, and kindness, the prophecy of Daniel, the words of Jesus, and the vision of John portray a very different future. We've traveled many times on the beginning steps of that path that is portrayed in these seven seals. But I believe that what John saw, what Jesus prophesied, is true. See, John saw the seals sequentially like this. Seven seals, the verses through Revelation 6, and then in chapter 8, verse 5. Thanks to J. Dwight Pentecost and his book, Things to Come, you can look next to it and you see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 follows the very same progression of what John saw. And so I watch the news around me, and I'm not saying that this is happening right now, but I do see the first four. 
We saw a world leader who didn't have enough weapons, but yet he won the world's confidence. And then conflict started from somebody else. And so we had the conqueror and then the conflict. And right now we're experiencing the constrained resources, which is also leading to casualties as refugees relocate. I believe there's coming a great tribulation before God pours out his wrath. And we can see how the first four seals progress. And so I take great confidence that seals number five, six, and seven are just as real. And they make just as much logic as what we see on the news around us today. There is a coming judgment against sin. And right now we have the privilege of promoting God's kingdom as number one. We make sure that we are worthy, that we are living in a manner worthy of his calling. And after I make sure that I am living worthy of his calling, secondly, we get the opportunity to call our neighbors to accept the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness that is only available through the shed blood of our Savior. Revelation 6, 7, and 8 tells us about a day that is coming, that there will be a pouring out of wrath upon sin. But in the meantime, we have a job to do. My prayer for us this morning is that we would use our freedom to freely spread the gospel that we have freely received. If you want to use your independence to freely share the gospel of Christ, I invite you to stand with me as we sing number 447 in our hymnals as Miss Jan comes to lead us. Freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely, give.